Hey, Conspiracy Kyle here. Today's episode is the audio of a conversation I had with Jay Hennahan on his How to Kill a Sacred Cow podcast from last week. We talked about all things Star Wars, my podcast, and the book, especially the audiobook version of the book I came out with a few weeks ago. Um, I'm really blessed and, and honored that he had such kind words to say about it. So we talk a little bit about that, about the production of it, and, you know, Star Wars pop culture, things in general happening in this world. There's never a shortage of things to talk about currently. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I'll put a link in the show notes to the audiobook version of my book if you want to check it out. May the force be with you and God bless. All right, Conspiracy Kyle, thanks a hell of a lot for coming on the program once again, man. How you doing? I am doing great, Jay. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic, man. Um, I wanted to congratulate you on your brand new book, Intergalactic Totalitarianism. I can see it right there in the background. Yes, yes. I, I conveniently just have it right here, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. it's uh, Thank you. I, I appreciate a lot. You gave me a lot of really good comments on it, so it's really much appreciated, man. Yeah, and I mean, as good as the book was, and it was fantastic, the audiobook, dude. The audiobook is where it is at. If nobody has downloaded the audiobook, you can find it on Audible fantastic it's kind of like it's a mixture between your podcast and one of those um one of those 20s 30s 40s old radio broadcasts kind of feel um it's got it's got music it's got a little bit of uh sound uh sound effects and um i just i can't speak highly enough of it because it's entertaining uh it's short but it's it's punchy you know it's not like um it it doesn't feel too short and it definitely doesn't feel too long and uh yeah man i love it i love the fucking audiobook well thank thank you I, I really appreciate that yeah what i wanted to do was um i think there's like you know 30 some chapters i basically you know the chapters aren't very long so really it, it's it's basically just broken up into like you know like 30 some 3 to 4 minute segments right so i kind of treated each of those chapters just like as its own song right so i kind of um, I created, I put all the music together myself in, in GarageBand and just created these little clips that I thought worked with, worth it tonally, you know, for, for that, for that section. I tried not to overdo it. Right. Cause you know, sometimes if you, if you've listened to stuff that has like a lot of blasting music, back, it's really, it's, it's frustrating to kind of, you know, block that out to hear what they're saying. So I tried to keep it as, as minimalist as possible, but also conveyed a little bit of message, gave you a little bit of that ambiance, like, like you said, because, um, you know, I've heard myself on recordings and I, I'm, I'm my voice. I, I know for my own personal sake, it's, it's not, I don't love it. I don't love it. So I wanted to add, I, I think we all say that, right? Like you hear yourself or you see yourself on duty. You're like, this is, this is, this is, this is garbage. No, so I say like, this, all, I say this all the time on the show. I love my voice. So I might be <laughs> unique in that respect. Actually, this brings me to something I wanted to bring up. You tweeted something out. You asked your wife if she had listened to the audiobook yet. What did she say? She she said she couldn't stand hearing my voice for that long. And <laughs> like I, I think I, I got a lot of good comments on it. Some of them was like, man, like my wife loves my voice. The other one was like, well, it must be true love if she's just, you know, giving you the grief for it. So hey, you know, it's uh it's made it's not her cup of tea, but she I think she understands. She's probably heard me talk about the premise of all of it a zillion times already. So she'd probably she's probably already heard it, just not in kind of the finished format, you know. But maybe mm-hmm. she wasn't listening then either. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, we, we we all as you know spouses tune out a lot. So I know I tune out a lot of what she says. She probably tunes out some of the stuff I say, but 
Yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, that's that's fine. I wasn't really wasn't really surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get a um, I get a lot of feedback from my girlfriend on the podcast, and she she actually like listens to a lot of the episodes, uh, and. I sometimes I ask her, I'm like, how do you, how do you, how do you do that? How can you actually, but, um, you know, it, it's tough sometimes too, because I'll be like, oh man, I'm really proud of this episode. You got to listen to it. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get there. I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> but, uh, she's actually been really good with, with honest criticism of the show made me, um, made me realize that I, you know, I, I shoot from the hip, dude. You know what I mean? Like right. sometimes the shit that I'm saying you know, it's it's just how I feel. She's like, you need some evidence to back up that claim. And I'm like, all right, all right, fine, fine. I'll find it. I know I read it sometime in like 2016. I'll find the book. I'll find the quote. You right. know, um, but yeah, you back- know, my wife, she she has given me, you know, some feedback just in general. She's like, you know, just because um, as we all know, like you said, researching a lot of stuff we talk about in the conspiracy world and, and everything crazy and terrible and disgusting that goes on in our world. Some of it can be very overwhelming. And she, she, she kind of cautioned me. She's like, you know, just sometimes you need to just break away from it, you know? And I think that's really good advice in general for, for anything. You know, I think um, sometimes you can go too much into the dark side, you know, pun intended. Um, and you don't realize how much great stuff there is in this world, right? Like, you know, your family, like your girlfriend, your, your kids, um, your home, where you live, your family, you know, nature, um, you know, for me, God and, you know, in what I believe, you know, spiritually. So there is a lot of good to balance out some of that bad. It's important, obviously, to bring up all the crazy things going on because we need to spread the word as much as possible so people can fight and push back against this stuff. But, you know, she definitely was like, you know, saw me sometimes just getting like visually or just um, overtaken by some of this stuff, right? Because it, uh, it, it, it can affect your entire mood. It can affect your entire day. And now you're treating people bad that are the ones that have been supporting you the whole time, you know, and it's kind of a, a hard place to be. So it's, uh, you, you know how it is. It's like, you, you want to, you want to understand all this stuff at the same time. Like, man, you, you sometimes wish you didn't take the full pill, right? Just mm-hmm. give me like a three fourths, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Once you, once you, once you see how the sausage is made, you can't go back, but I think it's just good. Um, sometimes to take things in, in moderation and, you know, Every rabbit hole, is it worth pursuing? I don't know. You know, I think a lot of them are, you know, some of them I think are just, you know, red herrings where you go down this whole rabbit trail trying to figure out something and you don't really get to the bottom of it or it's just a psyop or or something like that. So it's uh, definitely, you know, caution everybody out there. You know, some some things are important to to research. Some things, you know, you can all you can kind of pump the pump the brakes a little bit and make sure you're living your actual life, too. Yeah, plus a lot of this stuff it, it gets templatey, right? Like when you're talking about psyops and and um for example, one of the episodes I did the other day was on the the Brooklyn shooting uh in the subway and immediately I'm sitting there at my computer, my coworker is next to me and I'm like, "Oh, fake. This is fake." I'm like, "Look at this, look at this thing, look at that thing." And he's just like, "How uh, this just happened? How the hell can you already come to that conclusion?" And I'm like, "Well, they're running this template. You know what I'm saying? It's it's the here's X, Y, and Z, and this doesn't make sense right out of the gate." And I feel like a lot of us get stuck in that tra- not trap, but um, it gets it, it, sometimes you're trying to convey to somebody that something's fake, and they're not really like connecting with you because uh, you've already seen the play, you've already seen the game, you've already seen the movie. And you know the template, and so um, sometimes you apply that ret- retroactively. Even 
So let's say you get into this into a discussion with somebody about whatever this or that aspect of history, and they ask you to start backing up your claims, and you're like, well, okay, you have to understand it's a template. So like, yeah, if I go to my computer and right now, if you'll drive to my house with me, I'll be able to prove a good amount of this or or I read this or that book, but it's it's the template and um yeah. that gets that gets hard to convey to some people um yeah. but, but something that i really loved about your book was that you're you're using something that culturally everybody in the world knows or at least most people and you've got these stories that itself reflects history cuz george lucas was re- he's really no no slouch he knows his history and it's a great way to enter the the dis, uh, enter into a discussion about false flags and and raw power and and geopolitics because you've got something that George Template uh, yeah George Template George Lucas <laughs> maybe that was a Freudian slip George yeah. Lucas uh, he's he's showing you the patterns of history and so what are like let's let's take false flags for example what's a great example in your book where you're showing a false flag in the Star Wars universe and you and you uh, and you're applying it to something that you've seen here in the real world. Yeah, definitely. And and real quick to kind of piggyback on your point about, you know, the whole subway thing is, you know, one of the things I do talk about the book is, is some of the fat false flags in terms of like, you know, mass shooting events and things like that. And you know, some of those are real dicey topics because when you say like, like you said, you're covering it, it's fake, it's fake. It's like, well, people don't realize that the event can be fake and real people are still being affected by it, you know, in, in some way, some way, shape or form, you know, a lot of these, false flags, obviously people, people get injured, people die, you know, all this stuff. But, but the whole point of it is it's a manufactured event that I think that's kind of the, the part that's hard to get through people's heads, right? Is that um, this was somewhat loosely orchestrated for a specific purpose. You know, and the, and the one thing I talked about the book is a, a lot of these end up having to do with gun control, right? Because we've already seen in the, in the lead up to this, a lot of, you know, gun control legislation about this and about that. Um, so this is kind of like one of those things where, is it a catalyst for more legislation? I'm sure. I'm sure it always is. You know, obviously, you know, thoughts and prayers of people who were actually affected. But um, at the same time, it's important to. And the other thing I think a lot of normal people say is like, well, you're 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 messing with the memory of the people who were affected by this by by saying it's fake or it's like, well, no, no, I think it's the complete opposite, right? Because you're trying to, if people were were truly in a, in a, nobody died in the subway shooting, right? Nope. I think just all injured. But like, so like events where people have died, I mean, I think it's a, a disgrace to their memory to continue to tell lies about how they died. I think it's important to really dig up the truth about what really happened. I mean, if that was my mom or dad or brother in like one of those mass shootings, I would, I would want to know everything about what happened, not just what I was told. But, you know, to your question about the false flags um, in, in Star Wars, you know, the biggest one that kind of catapulted the empire into being was a pretty direct parallel in my opinion to like um to like january 6th so um at the end of revenge of the sith you know i think everybody um and and for those who don't know my book mostly focuses on like the star wars prequel trilogy um because it really does like you look you mentioned about templates earlier each of these books has a template where palpatine who becomes the emperor he gains a little bit more power a little bit more power than ultimate power you know so he kind of he does this you know, con- you know, um, control scheme in each of the movies, but his final one he kicks off is, uh, you know, the Jedi and everybody are finally figuring out like he, he's the chancellor of the Republic. And they're like, he's also this dark Lord controlling the opposition. Right. So he has, 
uh, unlimited control and they want to go stop him. Okay. So they go to his office and say, listen, we, we know what's going on. Uh, the jig is up basically. And, you know, some stuff that I found in the actual, like the novelization of that, of the revenge of the Sith episode three that you don't really see in the movie is that when the Jedi come in to confront him, he has it basically recording. Like he has an audio recording of this whole confrontation. Right. Um, and, and after it's all said and done, he kills all those Jedi, right? But he he alters um, he alters that footage or that that audio tape, and then he goes and plays it for the Galactic Senate, and it's like, listen, the Jedi tried to kill me. Um, we need to wipe them all out, and also, it's important to change how our government fundamentally functions so we can have more safeguards for this. And he's like, I I think we should just elect somebody for life, and you know that that should be me, right? So. Um, but it kind of goes back to like, you know, January 6th. I mean, I don't even think I wrote this in the book, but, you know, there's like so much missing footage of what actually went down that day. Right. Um, conveniently, that may tell a different story than the actual narrative was. So what Palpatine did manipulating the emotions of the Senate in the galaxy is exactly what, you know, our government and media and CIA and FBI did on that day to, to turn the narrative from, a you know, a, uh, a, a, a peaceful protest, you know, to use their terminology to like a violent, violent riot where terrible things were, were happening, you know, and that was probably only a very small percentage of what was, you know, of all the millions of people that were there. So um, I think that's a perfect parallel. And, you know, it definitely in Star Wars, it kicked off a whole set of uh, totalitarianism that people cheered for, right? They, they cheered for that. And you saw just after January 6th, same kind of thing. People said, well, we need to, we need to go, the FBI is like, we need to round these people up. We need to find them wherever they are. You know, no different than Palpatine said, we need to root out these Jedi wherever they are, any, anywhere. So we're going to label these people domestic terrorists because they were walking through the Senate holding like Nancy Pelosi's laptop or something, right? Something like silly. So it's, uh, I think that is a very, very perfect um, parallel to false flag. Now, now, mind you, I think... Um, uh, I'm kind of, you know, the one thing about January 6th that, you know, and I'm sure we've all belabored this point a million times, but, you know, um, I, I used to be a pretty big Trump supporter, not so much anymore because I just don't think he really ended up doing a lot of the things he said he was going to do. I mean, I think obviously the, the country would probably be better under him right now. Uh, but, you know, what was his culpability in all of that? You know, was he just leading all these people into a trap, you know, and, and that's kind of another piece of it as well, that um, after this whole event happened where they were rooting out the Jedi, Anakin, who had become Darth Vader, he went to the Jedi temple where they all were and killed and killed as many people as he found. Right. But then he also set off this beacon, which um, it was basically like a system that said that alerted all Jedi. Hey, come back to the temple. You know, things are bad in the universe. You guys all need to come back here and it's okay. So what Anakin was doing was luring them all into a trap. Any Jedi that show up, they just get killed immediately. You know, so so my conspiracy that I, I really don't know the answer to of what his culpability is, was he kind of complicit in, in bringing these people there to have them labeled as domestic terrorists to get some kind of deal or, or something like that, right? Because, I mean, I don't know how, how harsh the media has really been um, on him since since he's been out, you know, I mean, he's, he's still in the news a little bit, but I, I feel like the, the media has, has calmed down a little bit on him. So was there some kind of deal? 
I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to even tell what the truth is in that. But we yeah, had definitely a lot of parallels between the end of that movie and kind of what happened on that day. I have made the point a lot on my podcast that he very well could be controlled opposition. And that would be like high level controlled opposition. That's like that's meta false flag, meta conspiracy type stuff. And yeah. um, that I, you didn't mention that in your book, right? That's a, that, that's something I, I, you I, don't, said I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think so. I, I wish I, I wish I would have because it was, uh, it's a that's point. That's a good I kind of point. Think, yeah, that especially about the Anakin thing that mm-hmm. you know some of these stuff you don't really see in the movie, but like it's a very interesting parallel, you know, to 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 lure people there under false pretenses, and when you get there, it's anything but, you know. Yeah, to be honest with you, Kyle, though, I'm a little disappointed in you. You <laughs> missed a golden opportunity to say it's a trap. Golden opportunity. What's up with that, bro? Well, you know, it's like. With you know, have you you've seen this movie Spaceballs, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. You know, we'll have to we'll have to do you know intergalactic totalitarianism to the search for more money to <laughs> to, to, to to bring in the to bring in the Admiral Akbar. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's more to it. I'm, I'm obviously kidding, of course, but yeah, the, there needs to be it, it's a trap. So if I write a book in the future, it's going to be all over the place. Maybe it'll just, it should be called it's a trap. And yeah. I think I think that's what we'll do. So have you run into anything? Because, of course, now uh, Star Wars has been taken over by Disney. Um, uh, this is kind of like a um, uh, in, uh, an author, kind of a, uh, a behind-the-scenes kind of question. Did you run into anything while uh, in the course of publishing the book uh, with copyright infringement or any kind of trouble like that? Uh, no, not, not really. Um, I will tell you, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about the music that, that I put into it. Um, some of the little phrases and melodies I created for it. I tried to make them as similar to some of the themes from the movies, but just slightly off just to kind of avoid that stuff. Cause right. I'm, I'm sure that Disney, um, you know, wouldn't like somebody using these kind of parallels. That's kind of against, you know, the, the, the government, you know, they're kind of left-wing buddies or, or what have you, but no, I mean, the only thing I've, I've gotten was, you know, I had, um, last, you know, last summer, I think I'd been working on a kind of presentation about the kind of loose outline of this book about how that, how it kind of unfolded in the prequels. And I put a video out there on YouTube, which contained like some video clips from the movies and stuff that I got from YouTube video, right, video clips that were already on YouTube that I kind of just kind of pieced together and kind of made this little short little thing. And, you know, Disney had me take that down because they said it was copyright infringement from stuff that was already on YouTube. So like, okay, they don't, they really don't like this kind of concept that I'm going towards. So, so no, not, not, not really. Um, I did get a little bit of pushback when I was trying to like advertise it on Instagram and places like that. Initially they would, they would say like, no, this is, this goes against our advertising policy because it's promoting politics or something. It's like, no, it's talking about star Wars, you know, it's talking about star Wars and politics, right? It's not like, I'm, you know, campaigning or have some crazy ideas about something. So I kind of had to, had to appeal to Instagram a few times to allow me to, you know, advertise the book on there because they thought it was, you know, something that it, that it, that it wasn't. And, you know, the funny thing is that on, on Amazon, you have to select, you know, two categories to have your book published in. Um, and I was trying to find one that would, that would fit. Cause it kind of, uh, it could fit in a few different places, you know, like philosophy or politics or other things. So I put it in like sci-fi of course, cause it needs to go in there, but then I put it in, <laughs> they have a, a subsection called, totalitarianism slash fascism so so like for the for the first week or so like it was like 
trending on Amazon, like number one in, in fascism. And I had to like <laughs> make the disclaimer, like, no, I want to, I just want to be clear about this, that it's kind of against that kind of uh, fascist <laughs> mindset, but, but it, it looks kind of funny when I took the screenshot of it, it just says number one in fascism. I'm like, Ooh, boy, no, it's, <laughs> I don't know if that's kind of the promotion I, I wanted for it, but you know, it uh, ended up working out, but yeah, to, to your, to your question, no, not, not so much push, not so much pushback yet. Um, We'll see what happens. I do make like a um, in the in the physical copy in the Kindle version, the first page. I do kind of have a little disclaimer saying, you know, I'm just kind of using this these characters and things for for commentary and, and research purposes and things like that, and so that you know it's not affiliated with Lucasfilm or any, in any way, shape, or form. So I, I hope it's okay. I hope it kind of is just kind of a slides under the radar that it doesn't really end up on somebody's somebody's desk. But you know, we'll see what happens. It's pretty interesting, right? The yeah. algorithmic tripwires that they set, because you can yeah. like you you use clips off of YouTube, and it was fine over here, but it's not fine over here. So it really makes yeah. you wonder. I mean, the AI is always getting better, yeah. uh, but it makes you really think about. It. It's like okay, it's okay to use this copyrighted material in this context, but you cannot use it in this type of a context, right. and even like. It, it would even have to go a couple of levels deeper in terms of the AI being able to recognize what is going on because it has to be able to take the content in context. So maybe right. it would be fine with you using those clips as long as you kept you could keep it political, but maybe if it was promoting more of the woke ideology, I guarantee you it wouldn't have been taken. Well, I shouldn't say guarantee, but there's a good right. chance it wouldn't have been taken down. However, you put it in in the context of conspiracy that's another though so that's that's a really good ca- case in point of the the way uh, the where these algorithms are going in terms of AI like with me I had my original YouTube channel taken down because I was talking about elite pedophilia and they took it you know Epstein you know uh the the Franklin scandal I had had um uh Philip Fairbanks on talking about his uh, his book Pedogate Primer and uh, that that is the that was my second strike. The first strike they only gave me two strikes. Uh, the oh, first wow. one the first one was an Epstein episode in 2019. The second one was was that one, the Pedogate Primer, because I was a repeat offender, right? <laughs> and um, which is that also has a has a, a, a special type of irony. Um, yes. And and they'd called it bullying and harassment. And I'm like, okay, so YouTube likes pedophiles. Okay, weird, whatever. So. Um, I guess we could use this subject to tra- to transition into uh, something. Is, is there any type of like uh, any type of grooming that you might see going on in the Star Wars universe now that Disney has taken over? Anything like that? Um, you know, they definitely they've definitely pushed you know a, a big a big feminist agenda, and they've definitely pushed. Um, same sex type stuff. And obviously everybody knows, you know, Disney made that huge announcement a few weeks ago about how they're trying to put more, you know, same sex, trans, whatever content into all their stuff, which, you know, is, is like, okay. Like, I, I think we all know Disney is, is, is corrupt and has all these um, issues and narratives that they're, they're trying to push out, you know, but, but, but it's like new for a lot of people. They, they never really realized how, how bad, how bad that kind of stuff was. So, um, Within Star Wars, not not necess- not necessarily that I've seen that I've seen so far. Um, the one thing that I do kind of like that I think keeps the Star Wars property somewhat pure is that there's like very little like sex in Star Wars. 
you know, um, and I think, I think that's kind of a good thing to be honest. Um, obviously it's a part of, of life, right. But, you know, in, in star Wars, if just think about any of the movies, like there's really no place where it like would have fit in. I mean, I think there's like, you know, the, the Anakin and Padme stuff. Okay. You know, Han and Leia. Okay. Just little, little things, but it just makes you like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't show you like the full thing. Obviously like something was happening in those scenes or whatever, but it doesn't like give you the full visual, right. You kind of just have to interpret it for yourself. Um, not, not yet. I'm sure they have a lot of, they push a lot of stuff to, you know, young kids, you know, star Wars related content on YouTube and other places that I haven't really, really, really checked out. Um, but I'm sure, you know, there's going to be a lot of, you know, trans or whatever type type issues coming in. I mean, even, you know, in the, the last movie they made, there was, you know, something that I was actually just thinking about today. I don't necessarily consider grooming, but just kind of like a narrative they were trying to push. Um, there were two kisses in the final movie of the sequel trilogy. So there was um, Kylo Ren kissed Ray and, and then he died. Right. So like when, if you're, if you're a, if you're a woman and you kiss a, kiss a toxic male, you know, he, he just, he needs to die immediately. He's dead. Um, and then there was like a same sex lesbian kiss and they were fine. They went off into the, to the world, but it was like unnecessary. That was like one of the last scenes, you, like one of the last visuals you see in the movie between two minor characters that nobody even knew what their names were, but it's like they had, it's like they felt like they had to put that in there, you know? Um, but yeah, uh, there hasn't been too much of that kind of stuff in there yet. I mean, in the context of some of the films, I would say, you know, if you think about the prequels, you know, uh, Palpatine was definitely kind of grooming Anakin from a young age to kind of be his dark side apprentice, you know, but, but it's all the same kind of, I think the same kind of stuff you see with the grooming is like this, this person was seen as like a mentor to him. Like he, he grew up, he grew up without a father, right? He, he grew up in a father. He went to a place far away from his mother where he didn't, you know, sometimes belong or, or fit in with this Jedi Council and this Jedi Order. He was just this kind of young kid. He was one of the few kids that were trained after a certain age. Um, and this kind of older gentleman kind of, you know, came alongside him and told him that he was going to be the greatest Jedi and this and that, and then filled his head with all kinds of, you know, uh, emotional stuff for, for a kid. So not from a sexual angle, but you definitely kind of see the kind of personalities that, uh, that feed that feed that feed off of that and the ones that are preyed upon that you know may come from certain um unsettled backgrounds or things where they can be easily manipulated or see someone as a mentor figure that they they trust and that person ultimately you know betrays their trust and kind of turns them into to something they want because a lot of kids don't really know what they want which is the crazy which is the craziest part about all this like you know when just like you know, remember back when you were a kid it's like yeah, I was into a zillion different things you know, I was into like, where's Waldo and Ninja Turtles and Mario Brothers, this and that, like, but like, my parents didn't make me just be Mario for the rest of my life, because I liked it when I was 10 years old. You know, it's like kids go through phases and things and trying to mess with kids sexual identity uh, at, at a very early age is, is, is so is so dangerous, especially when you talk about the pharmaceutical aspect about hormone blockers and stuff like that. It's It's getting to a it's getting to a level where um, it, it's really sad and disturbing. And I, I think, I think a lot of people, are, people are starting to talk about this kind of stuff, but um, a lot of people are just too afraid to, to face the letter brigade, right? Because if you 
say anything bad about them, you, you could be canceled or your, your show's done or you, you, something YouTube gets right. YouTube gets taken down or something. So it's like, people are kind of afraid to push back, but I, I, I think all of us should kind of think, you know, what's more, what's more important, you know, um, talking about some of this stuff or, or not. And I think we all have different, um, thoughts and ideas about that, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, uh, coming soon in the future with, what Disney wants to start putting into their programming. And I'll say one thing too, you know, everybody kind of threw a big fit about that uh, message a few weeks ago, how they said they're going to like, they want 50% of all characters to be like LGBT or whatever in Disney. Um, You know, sometimes when I hear statements like that, that really aren't backed up by any like action on their part. It's to me, it's wondering if they're trying to gauge and get some kind of reaction out of it, you know, uh, and see, and you even see that in benign things um, in star Wars, you know, Several years ago, they kind of floated out the rumor that Ewan McGregor was going to come back to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. And like, really, there was nothing else to it than that. And like, there was really, really good buzz about it. And sure enough, this year, we're getting an Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ewan McGregor series. So that's an obviously very benign um, situation. But I think these media companies float some of these ideas out there for, for one, um, to, to show that they're still woke, right? So they like, don't cancel, don't cancel me, bro. I'm still on your on your side, but then I I, I think we'll, we'll see what happens with this specifically. But I think sometimes they don't always fully fully do what they say they're going to do. But but people have such short term memories that they hear, hey, Disney's going to be doing something awesome. That that's great, and they kind of leave it at that. You know, even in um in the new sequel trilogy, um, you know they they brought in they brought in a lot of characters that were not were not were not white people. Okay, and that's that's great. And that's fine. But they, they did that kind of to show that, that they were about diversity, but they didn't give those characters a lot of substance. So it's like on the face, they have appealed to the woke community, but in actuality, they, they failed because they didn't actually um, give those people compelling stories. And, and they've ended up getting, um, getting their ass kicked on the back end of, of that by trying to, be like fake woke, you know, um, and, and kind of slide, slide through. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what, we'll see what happens. I'm sure they'll try to, to, to push some more, um, of that stuff, but you know, it's, it, it's frustrating and, and it is what it is, but I, I hope, I hope, and you know, it's a, a false hope, but that some of that stuff stays out of, out of star Wars, um, going forward, but you know, it's Disney. What can you say? Go woke, go broke, man. And you know the uh, the Academy Awards, uh, they are going to they're going to put certain requirements on uh, the uh, on a movie is going to be eligible for getting uh, getting the award getting uh, based upon their their cast uh, the the amount of LGBTQ people they have on their cast and they have even on the uh, the the people working the cameras and the microphones and the key grip and the guy getting the sandwiches, which is going to, I mean, it brings up a lot of interesting questions for one that makes it very difficult to run a business, you know? Uh, so if you just look at population numbers at a baseline, it's going to make, uh, it's going to make the, the uh, creating a movie incredibly difficult. And it's, it sounds very communistic and it's like, you got to fulfill these requirements and all that stuff. And furthermore, it's going to force other people that may not necessarily be comfortable with, uh, divulging information like that actually make it a condition of employment, 
You know, maybe somebody doesn't necessarily want to come out of the closet yet, even if they are. You know, that that create that that uh, raises a whole lot of ethical questions in terms and and then even their medical history, the medical records and things like that. Also, that's that it goes very much in line with the COVID narrative that they want everybody to be disclosing things that just a couple of years ago were against the law based on HIPAA laws. Um right. And that yeah, it, it's it's a che- it's like a check the box thing, right? You know, exactly. Hey, this is our this is the mix of our cast. It's this percentage, this race it's this percentage, this it's like that, you know, so if you were someone that was, you know, let's say like a black female um, going out for a role, you know, you would maybe have to have to think that in the back of your mind, like, am I just being uh, brought into this because of they have to meet this requirement? You know, it's no different than in the NFL, right? They have that Rooney rule where you have to interview a minority candidate. And a lot of a lot of a lot of you know organizations obviously abuse that because they're like, hey, listen, we'll meet it to the letter of the law, but we already know who we were gonna hire. So they bring someone in for a dog and pony show. And that's actually more insulting to that person than if they never would have been interviewed at all because they knew they probably never had a chance, mm-hmm. you know, because the, the the organization already had somebody in mind. So like when it, when it gets to that check the box thing, it becomes like you said, it's kind of with how the population is, it, it makes it difficult, but it's also just very inauthentic. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wouldn't expect a movie that takes place like in Cuba, just f- randomly someone like me to be one of the main characters, right? Like it's going to be people who are of, of Cuban origin, you know? So it's like, I, I think they, they, they mash things in there that don't always necessarily make um, sense. You know, w- one thing I'll say, um, I, I, were you into like the Sopranos at all? The, the, a little bit, a little bit, but not really. Um, so, so in, in in the Sopranos series, you know, it's the Italian mob in in like North Jersey, and in it, it took place in like the you know late nineties, early two thousands, and a lot of the Italians were obviously very racist against like the black people. Okay, um, but they made a prequel movie that took place in like the seventies, and there some of that stuff wasn't present. And you, you, know, you would have thought that the animosity even back then, well, actually, it was in the 60s. There was a lot of, you know, r- racial tensions and things. And a lot of that, that stuff wasn't really present in, in the movie, which I'm not, I'm not, I was not advocating for. I'm not saying glorifying it, but I'm saying like it made it inauthentic because they chose not to um, do certain things or say certain things um, that really in that context, in that time frame, would have been highly likely from both sides you know, very racist from, from, from both sides of the, of the perspective, you know, and they obviously all both have different reasonings and whatnot. That's kind of, you know, not, not the point. The point is that it made it a little less authentic because there wasn't this kind of tension that, that you thought should have been in this specific time frame in air in era. But, but it's, it's a, it's a microcosm of when the movie was made. It was made like two years ago, you know, so there were some things they probably couldn't have put in there even if they thought it would have been more authentic because there would have been a huge backlash and this and that. And, you know, a, a movie and a, and a TV show, you know, it, it, it like you, like we've been saying, when it's tied down by all these rules, it kind of loses some of the magic in, in, in the, in the fun really. And, and the um, immersiveness because you're seeing kind of the stuff you're like, well, oh, I, I feel like they put in this person because of this. I feel like they brought in this character because of this, like, you know, Every Netflix show, season two, three, four, one of the characters is gay. It's just kind of like a joke at this point. It just it happens in pretty much every single series, and it kind of takes you out of it because they have to check that box. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's really frustrating how 
how movies are going like that. I was just saying this the other day, me and my girlfriend were watching a documentary on CNN, uh, on the CNN app, uh, which don't do it. If, if you don't have to, don't do it. Uh, they do actually have some great documentaries, but you know, you're, it's like you can't watch anything new without the central theme of it being woke. It's not, yeah. it's, it, and I wonder, I actually wonder if that is an editorial decision. Like your, your idea cannot be brought to life unless you check these boxes. Oh and, yeah. And you know, um, I, I was at lunch, um, me and my wife went to lunch today and they, at, at the, at the restaurant where they had like ESPN on, I'm like, Oh cool. I haven't really watched ESPN. I want to see what's going on. It was like a whole mini documentary about one of the basketball owners and his ties to China and all this. And it's like, what, what, are, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? Can't we just get back to what your what your your core function is supposed to be? Is kind of entertaining people, giving people sports, giving people movies, uh, giving people stuff. When when you ramrod the stuff in, it just it, it it it's like it's like Jordan said in in the nineties. He's like you know Republicans buy sneakers too, which is why he wasn't you know going too crazy into all these kind of agendas and things that people thought he 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 should he should have. Um, and and like you you said it earlier, go woke, go broke. They shoot themselves in the foot and then they will, you know, reverse course. Um, and uh, <laughs> but the, but the damage is done on both sides. At and that at, point. The, at the end of the day, does anybody actually believe that corporations believe in the rights of man? Like, no, right. no, corporations don't give a shit about you. They'll, they'll do or say anything if they think they're going to make money or if they think they're they're, uh It if it's a possibility that they'll lose money. They'll do anything. Absolutely. And, yeah, in social media, you'll see them. Black Mystery Month, they'll change their logo to this. You know, Gay Pride Month, they'll change their logo to this. Yeah. Uh, Ukraine situation, they'll change their flag to Ukraine. They will just go on with whatever is the is the you know it's like the whole thing. joke, right? Yeah. yeah, I support the most current thing, you know. Yeah. And like you said, it, it's it's so inauthentic and 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 shady because they they really don't. All they care about is the dollar. All they care about is the dollar and whatever they can push to get them there. But I, I feel like they've jumped on these bandwagons, which may not actually be profitable, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, so, and this will be the last question I ask that has nothing to do with Star Wars because I brought you <laughs> on to talk about, you know, I have so many questions about the book and then, it, you know, because I, I love talking to you that we just went with this, where it goes, whatever. Have you seen Red Panda on, um? oh no, uh, Turning Red? No, I have not. I have oh not. my God, bro. Okay, watch it. Is it some allegory for something weird? Oh, it's an allegory, all right. It's a metaphor par excellence. Okay. Um. Don't watch it with your kids. Uh. It's about. Um. But but watch it. It's it's is it actually about like the menstrual cycle or like having a period or something. It is. It is. But oh here's the God. thing. Here's the thing. Is that it's a movie made for preteen girls, which I understand. You want to. You at least want to be able to. You know, if I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, you know what I'm saying. And even like I was saying, my 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 girlfriend, we were both watching it with my niece and my son. I had no idea what it was about, but when it started going, I was like, oh. Okay, be careful here, guys. Be careful here, guys. And uh, okay, so turning red. What it is is that this girl, um, it runs in her family. There's some kind of magical powers that um, she turns into a large red panda once a month, destroys everything, doesn't exactly know what's going on, all this stuff. Okay, fine. If it wants to, if you're just trying to tell girls like, "Hey, this is normal. Everybody goes through this. You're gonna have to learn how to deal with it and do it with right. grace." Right, just like a metaphor. You, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, I, if, if you were gonna leave it there, cool. <laughs> but here's what happens: is that her and her friends want to go to a concert really, really bad. This boy band. 
who actually like their their music in the movie. I'm like, all right, this music is isn't half bad. It's pretty good. Um, but they really want to go see it. So what they do is they start charging children to see this girl's panda. Okay, and red. When she turns red, when her panda turns red, that's when it's that time of the month. And so... Wow. wow. Yes. And so there comes this time when one of the people in school ask her if he will show her, if, if, if she will show her panda at his party for $100. And that's the last leg they need to get to, the, to the, uh, be able to afford the four tickets. And the whole crux of the movie, like, even if you gave this movie every single benefit of the doubt... This uh, this girl's mother comes in and catches her at this moment where she jumped off of a roof as the panda and landed on the boy because he was he was making her very very angry. Don't make the panda angry. Jumps on top of him and is straddling him like uh, like cowgirl style. And as the mother comes in and catches her, and the mother knows that you know it runs in the family the panda thing, and so the whole thing is that she's not supposed to show her panda. Um, yeah, straddling wow. him. So it's very incredibly suggestive. And it's like, if at that point, that's the last, like, that's the last, um, uh, I don't know, that's the last plausible deniability of this is what the movie is about, <laughs> prostituting yourself. And then at the end, what happens is all, the whole family figures out that, hey, you know, showing your panda in public for money is actually not a bad thing. You should be proud of it. So it goes like this whole extra, like you you start here, which is just like uncomfortable, but I understand what you're doing to totally uncomfortable. And this is outrageously ridiculous. And then you get the whole family in, in on it. And on the creator side, Disney made this so that um, it, the, it was written entirely by women, mostly by women of color. And can you imagine a room full of women signing off on this. Like, it is mind-boggling to me. And, and, and then a part of me goes, no, no, no. I highly doubt it was written by women because at least one or two of them would have been like, yo, this is way too far. We can't be exposing children to this kind of a message. It makes me think it was written by a bunch of uh, old white men, you know, and they're like, <laughs> right. they're like, oh, you, you can't get, it, get it so that the mother catches her straddling them at the party. That's really what we're going to go for. Wow. I, that's, it's almost unbelievable when you break it down like that. Right. You know, like some of like those Pixar stuff, like there are some suggestive themes, but like it's um, some things that like maybe you catch as like a parent that like maybe would obviously go over the kid's head and like some some things like like little themes in, in, throughout those. But like this one is uh, this is like the most blatant that I've that I've heard. I mean, I heard in a while. I mean, between between that one in the, you know, the Monsters, Inc. one, you know, those are uh, both pretty, pretty wild when you break it down to what they're actually trying to convey. But man. I didn't realize it it really went in in that direction, man. Like, like you said, like it, one or two things could have been like, okay, just a kind of a fine metaphor or something, but like they really, they really went, they really went for it. Like you could like change the color or change like the time period or something like, but like it was very like, it sounds like very on the nose. Yeah. You know? I, I really like it, it like visually, just like all these movies, you know, it's incredible visually. You know what I mean? She turns into a panda. You can see every little hair on the pan. You know what I mean? Like, so it's it, it, the the quality of it. It's really, really good. The music is really, really good. So it's like they're trying to they're drawing people in with all these like really good qualities of the movie. And as far as like writing goes, the writing is actually pretty good, you know, so to convey that kind of a message and it's, it's, it cannot be anything than 100% on purpose. 
That's basically right. what I'm saying. Wow. Yeah. So Star Wars. Um, um, one thing that I really loved about the audiobook in particular was your little asides. Um, one in particular that stuck out to me was uh, you were talking about, I think, the Clinton Foundation. And it's just like you come out and when you I really like how, how you differentiate it from the rest of the book, you put that little megaphone effect on your voice. And uh, you're uh, and you say something along the lines of like, uh, you know, just letting everybody know I love my life. I love my wife. I have no intentions on killing myself. Genius right there. <laughs> but I mean, um, as as far as like a content cre- from a content creator standpoint, it was just a very great way. Like you you found these very creative ways to break up the book, to make it entertaining and to differentiate certain parts just so that there's not only no confusion, but aesthetically, it's really pleasing. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to kind of. You know, all this kind of stuff we're talking about, it's, it's, it's important to break it up with little bits of comedy and little jokes here and there. Because, you know, especially with some of the music in, in some of the, the chapters, it can get very ominous. It can get very dark. And like, I, I kind of want to just break it up a little bit. Not like I'm like bringing in like clown music or something, right? But just like, let me just throw in a little, a, a, a little thing here just as a little, uh, a, a little quick joke. Because I think, we, like we talked about earlier, like some, of the, some of these things about the Clints especially is like really incredibly dark and you know the darkest thing is that they're, they're never going to be caught for anything they've ever done with the clinton foundation you know things in, in haiti and all other kinds of things we don't even really need to get into but we all have, you know know bits and pieces about all this stuff um but like it's just it was you know it's one of those running jokes right like anytime you say anything bad about the clintons you gotta be like hey listen like i love i love i love my family i love everything these people are great great people i i wish them no harm hillary is just the greatest um so it's just kind of one of those little running gags i wanted to throw in there because i i've I've heard it from a few other uh folks and podcasts and things like it's kind of it's a really good good little good little joke because uh it's like at the same time no seriously like for real like you know obviously my book is very very you know small so i don't think they'll you know know about this kind of thing but it's like you you just want to throw that disclaimer out there you know Mm -hmm. just because hey listen we're we're good we're good I, i love them i love them so much (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah man and uh and and i really love that you focused on the prequels because as far as uh relating it to uh conspiracy or history real life all that stuff uh it's it's the most it's it's the it's the deepest of of the the nine movies uh it's really and um i really loved the the that you concentrated on the the clone wars animated tv series i just started it i've put it off for years and i have no idea why because it's freaking amazing it's incredible um, yeah uh, the the animation is good the story's great and so you uh it, the you you relate that there's some of these series and I, and i think it, it it's uh in a couple episodes in clone wars and then the series the what is it the bad squad the bad team oh the bad the bad batch the mm-hmm. bad batch so there's this whole um so in in the clones they they uh, they're embedded with a chip and uh, can you relate some of it because I don't want to I don't want to um, really hack it yeah. up but it's it's great the way that this uh, dovetails into the COVID narrative stuff yeah um, these these clones where you know the the whole history of how these clones came to be is really wild and and convoluted um, it was kind of like intended to be for to help out the Jedi and the Republic but it was basically co opted by evil forces. Um, so this, this clone army that the Republic starts using had been implanted with these microchips, um, you know, many, many years before they went into, into use and only a few select people kind of knew about this, about, about this chip. 
And what this chip was, was it would, um, at, at, a, at, at saying a specific phrase, would cause the clones to do something. It's very like MK Ultra Manchurian candidate type stuff um, when, you, when, you, when you boil it down theoretically. So at, at the end of um, Revenge of the Sith, Palpatine says, execute order 66. Boom, all the clones, it goes off in their brain. Hey, we need to kill the Jedi. You know, like definitely pro, like some serious mind control programming um, parallels there. And they obviously, they, 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 do, their, they do their job. Um, but, you know, during the Clone Wars series, which takes place right before that movie, there were some kind of close calls where some clones almost kind of blew it. You know, one of the clones in the midst of a battle went up and just killed one of the Jedi generals that was that he was working for. And like and, and it was crazy to see because, you know, this was back in, you know, when the Clone Wars first aired, it was on, you know, Cartoon Network. And, you know, some of the episodes of the show, it was kind of really dark. I'm, I'm interested here, Jay, once you once you get through it, we'll have to chat more because there are some kind of dark stuff for, for a kid's show in there but you know george lucas didn't want to shy away from violence or like kind of um thing, things like that he didn't want to water it water it down um so this this one clone just went up and killed one of the jedi basically the microchip malfunctioned and they had to try to figure out what happened and um at the end of the day what they did was they um I'm trying to think if this is the one I, yeah so what they did at the end of the day was uh that clone ended up dying. Another clone tried to figure it out. This other clone was like deep in like into like the conspiracy of what was going on. He's like, listen, like my, my brother in arms here had some crazy things happen. I'm trying to figure out what's, what's going on here. And it even got up to Palpatine and, but Palpatine ended up squashing it. He basically told the Jedi, like, listen, you know, there was something, there was a, uh, something wrong with one of the clones programming and we have to give them like a, a, a vac, like inoculation, like a vaccine to kind of, you know, purge out this, whatever was, was wrong with it was wrong with these clones, you know, all the ones that were in close contact with this, this guy, because they, they floated the theory that, well, you know, maybe um, the opposing forces were using some biological warfare on the clones and he got a, a bad dose of something or, or what have you. So at the end of the day, Palpatine was able to kind of, you know, wish it, wish it all away, but you know, they had this microchip within them their whole lives. And then at a certain point it activated and caused some massive, massive issue. Now, you know, we know we we've kind of talked about this from a, the whole COVID um, inoculation, right. You know, did that, does that have something more shady, more sinister within it than we even know about? Um, may, maybe I know I've been seeing some kind of wild theories recently. We've seen the stuff about like the, the, the venom or, or what have you. I didn't, I didn't dig too much into that. Do you know much about about what that's all about? Uh, I've I've heard about it. Uh, it's it, it's in my bucket of possibilities. You know, there's a million possibilities in that bucket. But yeah, I don't. I I wouldn't be able to speak on it very much. But are you talking like black goo type stuff? No, they said something about you know uh, something was an anti venom to the mom. The antibodies would be like an, an somewhat an anti venom to whatever was in your system or what have oh. you. So mm-hmm. yeah, so it, it, it's kind of there's a whole lot of different thoughts and opinions on that. You know, what one possible scenario could be that it's just all just a, a red herring. It was all just kind of a control test to to see how we you know functioned. Uh, all of us hamsters in our hamster wheel. You know, did we do the right thing? And I think you know the overwhelming majority. Well, I won't say the overwhelming majority. A lot of people played ball. And now the powers that be know 
what buttons to press, you know, to, to, to trigger people to, to do something or to not do something or to do things against their own self-interest, like locking themselves in their house and not going to work and not going to the store and not, you know, seeing their kids or not being able to see their parents in the hospital. Like, you know, so, so they, in one aspect of it, it could have been, you know, what the inoculation was, was something very dangerous. And I think a lot, there have been a lot of bad effects that obviously we can't, we aren't allowed to to talk about or vocalize or, or you'll get banned or censored. But I mean, you know, 20 something soccer players in Europe are just falling over all over the place, like with unexplained reasons. And, you know, every, every other day you hear about somebody dying. Oh, they, they died of a very a short illness. Like what, what was it? What was it? Tell us what, what tell us what happened, you know, but, but it's like, they, they're kind of egging you on to make that comment or post about, Oh, it was definitely this. So like, then, you'll look like the crazy person. So it's, it's, it's wild. I think it could go one of two ways. I think there could be something really, really dangerous. Um, it could have also been, like I said, a, a, a red herring placebo kind of test to see how, how people would, would react and how people would um, f- fall in line with what they were being told to do. And I think a lot of people did fall in line with what they're being told to do for a certain extent. And I think uh, it, part of it, and of course, with these things, there's always a million narratives. I, I mean, uh, there's, there's always a, a ton of agendas going on that they're trying to, you know, you don't do any any of these things for one reason. You do them for five to 20. And I think one of them was, now we've got our list of people. Now we know who we have to go round up in, in 2027, you know, and, and it, it goes on to that, uh, the NSA lists. And, you know, it's a new box that they can check in their dossiers that they have on every citizen in the United States, all this other stuff. Um, but we are coming up against our time, Kyle. That passed way too quickly. I'm going to have to have you on again. <laughs> yes, uh, for sure. And, and uh, I, I just want to congratulate you on the book. Wanted to tell you uh, in in person that it is one of the best reads of 2022. And I wish you the best and all of the success. Where can everybody find your book? Sure. Um, yeah. So like we said, it's called Intergalactic Totalitarianism. Um, great forward by Charlie Robinson. Who I'm sure you've had on before. Really great guy. I really appreciated all his insight in, in writing the forward for, for the book. Um, <clears throat> so you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on paperback. You can find it on Kindle. You can find it on um, Amazon through, through Audible and you know, I will say for, for anybody that's, that's listening and is interested, I do have a bunch of promo codes um, for free downloads of it. So if you want to reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at conspiracy underscore Kyle, uh, conspiracy with the K, um, I can I can get you a code to get to download that that free audio book. I, I, I really want to just really kind of get the word out about this stuff. You know, I think it's important, like we talked about earlier, to kind of make these analogies and parallels between pop culture and really deeper things going on. And like I've always I've always tried to use Star Wars as that kind of you know jump jumping off point. Um, you know, sometimes I look back at old podcast episodes and some of those parallels were, were, were not very were not very successful. Um, you know, with with different mindsets and different things that I believed at the time. But um, it, it's it's a great thing that a lot of people, like you said, a lot of people know about Star Wars. Not a lot of people know about all the kind of stuff that we we talk about. So. I, I kind of think it could work two ways. It could kind of get people to start going down the rabbit hole, think a little bit, or kind of start to think about those prequel movies in a different way as well. Because you know, I think a lot of people have you know terrible ideas about what the what the prequels really really were. Like, oh, Jar Jar Binks, he sucked, and this and that. But like, there's kind of a really deep um, cautionary tale that Lucas was trying to tell in there that is applicable to 
modern day events. So I definitely would encourage everybody to kind of, you know, take a, take a look back at those movies. If, if you, um, if you haven't in a while, I think, you know, if you can get past some of the corny dialogue and some of the terrible green screen stuff that is kind of inherently through it, you'll, you'll kind of get to the underlying message he was trying to say, which is, you know, don't trust, basically don't trust the government because they're not your friend, even if they say they are. So um, thank you so much for having on. I definitely appreciate everybody who's, who's, who's bought the book is giving great feedback. Jay, you gave me some really great feedback and you've been very supportive of this. So, so thank you very much. I really appreciate it, my friend. 100% Kyle. Thanks a lot for coming on, dude. Absolutely.